Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And I'm your other host, Matthew Rodriguez. And today we have with us two very special guests. We have writer for Decider.com and co-host of the podcast, This Had Oscar Buzz. Joe Reed, hello. Hi. Hi. And we have another writer with us. Uh, Sophia Sauter. Hi. Hi. Hello. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, Sophia, since you're a first-time guest, would you like to tell us your Buffy origin? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> so, I've been practicing this since I started listening to the podcast, because I always, like, whenever someone tells their story, I'm like, hmm, what's my story? So, I actually started watching when it was on, and I was a kid, so I was like six when it started. I watched it on and and off on TV sometimes, and by the time I think season six rolled around, they started airing everything, like an episode each day, and I watched it every day after coming back from school. So I watched everything in like a couple months, (laughs) and I've just been re-watching ever since, like once a year. So, that's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, Matthew and I can attest to the doing the rewatch ever since. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. When I it, w- it was pl- it was playing on FX before school for me, so I was like rewatching it, and it, they went through two episodes a day, and there's 22 episodes in a season, so they would go through a season in like two weeks. So it was like I was rewatching the seasons over and over again. <laughs> uh I mean, I think I've watched all of season five twice just since we finished season four of the podcast. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because I love season five so much. I do too. I love season five. <laughs> no, it's the best. It's my favorite. <laughs> I like, I have watched, and I have, Sophia, like you said earlier, I have cried every time I've watched the episodes that like are sad. I just always mm-hmm. skip the body because mm-hmm. I don't enjoy watching them. Oh, yeah. Like, that's not something I want to watch, like, casually, so I always skip that one, but, yeah, other than that, I've watched the whole season, like, twice. But, so, today we're here to discuss No Place Like Home, Glory's first episode! Yay! Yay! Yes! Um, so, the episode starts with a flashback. We get the timestamp of two months ago, which is insane. I always forget that we do actually know exactly how long ago it was that Dawn was created. Yeah. Uh, crazy that it's like two months, so it's like literally the end of Buffy versus Dracula where Dawn was created. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so then, so then we get the scene of Buffy, very typical scene of Buffy where she's just slaying a vamp, but then the security guard hands her, quote-unquote, a glow ball. Um, yeah. 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 I, I always love, like, Buffy's, when Buffy is laying the vamp and she's talking about piano lessons because it's very, like, it's such a childhood thing that she didn't get to have because she was a slayer or whatever, <laughs> and it fits really well with the team in the episode, so I think it's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that she's kind of giving us, like, RuPaul pop psychology. Like, she's, like, <laughs> trying to be this, like, vamp's therapist. <laughs> uh, so... Then, like, so it's almost, I feel like for how tight everything is, it almost seems silly that the way we're introduced is a security guard just, like, picking up this thing and being like, oh, right. here. <laughs> you left behind your little glow stick or yeah. whatever, yeah. 
But the thing that we have to talk about is that Buffy's coat is atrocious, and she shouldn't be slaying in it, first of all. Not yeah. only not slaying in it, she should not be slaying in it. Uh, I actually don't even remember what the coat looks like. It looks, oh, like, it's so bad. As if she like skinned a Dalmatian and put it on, but like in a bad, in, but like in a bad way. Yeah. Not in a Corella Deville way, <laughs> right? Not in like a fabulous uh, right. we stand way, like <laughs> in an actually right. terrible like. It just looks like one of those like pelts that they have on on Game of Thrones, like an IKEA rug that they had to beat into looking like a coat. <laughs> um, so that happens. Um, then we get. So I don't know how all of you felt the the scene where Joyce and Dawn are like just like snuggling each other in the kitchen and just like basically ignoring Buffy and being like, Oh, our book club. Oh, my cute nickname. Oh no, you didn't have one Buffy. Not you. Like, I don't understand that either. Like, isn't a book, isn't the whole idea of a book club for like people who don't get to hang out in person very often. Right. And it's just like, you're around each other all the time. Just talk about the books you're reading. Like <laughs> that's, that, that's just I, breakfast. Like, at this point though, I do want to defend the book club because <laughs> We are because Buffy doesn't move out of the dorm until the next episode in Family. So really, I mean, the book club—the idea of the book club—is ridiculous. You just live together, just talk about books. Yeah. But um, the fact that Buffy wouldn't be invited, she technically still lives in school. All right, that's that is a little fair. Uh, but also, maybe the reason she moved out the next episode is because she really wanted to do the book club. <laughs> <laughs> that was the reason. That was the inciting incident. That yeah. she like, did not miss this book club. What? Anymore. What books do you think Dawn and Joyce are reading? Yeah, what's together? the common yeah, what's that, the commonality there? That's the question I had. Like, I feel like because for like at at um for book clubs at Joyce's age, I feel like it's a lot of times like like the movie book club. They like <laughs> read classics that you might have missed or whatever. So or like in the first season of Desperate Housewives, where they all get together and read Madame Bovary and stuff. <laughs> Or, like, is Joyce the kind of, like, good mom who would be, like, reading the school reading along with Dawn that, like, Dawn has to do? But they that sounds like they're having too much fun with Book Club for it to be, like, school reading. Maybe they, like, alternate and, like, sometimes Dawn picks, like, the Babysitter's Club and then sometimes Joyce is uh, like, okay, well, you we have to read Heart of Darkness <laughs> to this week. That would, first of all, amazing. I love the idea of Joyce and Dawn reading the Babysitter's Club. Though. That's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, talk about stuff that made me gay. Buffy and the Babysitter's Club, like, <laughs> together at last. <laughs> what was interesting to me during that scene is, like, thinking about, you know, how Joyce says, like, Buffy, you didn't have a nickname. Because, honestly, the monks inserted the nickname. So it's kind of like they're going... It's interesting because it's like the monks are going off of, like, what they think happened, like, what they think goes into the life of, like, a kid. And I guess it's saying that, like, that's not always the reality because that's it's actually out of place for Joyce to have a nickname for her kids. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although, I have to say, these monks probably missed their calling. They're, like, very talented storytellers. <laughs> in that, like, they really are. They created this very intricate little, like, backstory and managed to, like, weave her into the life of not only just, like, a regular kid, but, like, a slayer. Like, they that they managed to, like, you know, 
have enough know-how to do all this stuff and it's just like i kind of feel sad that they've been wasting their lives as monks <laughs> when they like could have been just like writing screenplays left and right that, I, mean, I feel like monks can write screenplays <laughs> oh yeah they'd have to like give up their vow of, of poverty or whatever yeah. yeah they'd have to like give all the money that they make from the screenplay to the church i guess right right true sad sad <laughs> Another weird question I have, what language are the monks speaking in the beginning? What language do they speak in Glory Speaks? Is it an actual language? Because I could not recognize it at all. Wikipedia says Czech. Yeah, I thought, uh, it, was Eastern, I thought it was vaguely Eastern European. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god. That, Based I, on his accent. Buffy made it, Sophia, that's so funny that you said that, because I feel like Buffy often does that to me, where I'm like, oh, is that real, or is that... Like, I don't know if it's, like, right. a real thing or, like, a made-up thing. It's the second Eastern European accent we've gotten this season after Dracula. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, so then what is... What's... Is, does she see Ben next? Yeah, she goes, sees Ben. Um, well, no, 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 no. Doesn't she go to the... Does she go to the pharmacy first or does she go to the magic box? I think it's the pharmacy first. Okay. okay, yeah, so we see Ben. Is this the first time we see Ben, though? No. no. That, that was when, that was with the heart. That was with Riley's heart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he knows her yeah. when they, they see each other. I think I, she it, does the the uh, magic box first, though, because it's when she goes back to the magic box that she's like, I think I know what's what's yeah. my mom. My notes, my notes for the magic box come before my notes for the crazy guys oh. there's that really weird yeah. scene where she walks in and it's like fully silent and giles has his wizard has hat his on. weird hat and i was like is something wrong with like the soundtrack on <laughs> like this episode on hulu like i didn't understand i couldn't rem i didn't remember the scene being filmed that strangely <laughs> it is it is like really weird um, but but, the, I, but the, I love the difference in reactions, like Buffy's yes. reaction to the outfit, and then Willow's like, "Where's the outfit?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I want to know why Riley and Willow were walking together. What were they doing off screen? What was that B plot? Uh, they actually go to class. Yeah. I think is their bond there. <laughs> I was gonna say they. I assume yeah. they were coming from class. They actually attend the school that they go to rather than <laughs> Buffy. <laughs> scene has my favorite line reading in this episode and one of my favorites of all time which is when Buffy shows Giles the Dagon Sphere and he's like oh it's clearly paranormal in nature and she goes how do you know and he just goes well it's so shiny <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. I was gonna say actually I love her saying like you'll be making money hand over fist and then they both just kind of looked at each other and then you cut to a scene of her showing her like hand over her fist and she's just like hmm <laughs> uh yeah, so then she... I forget... God, my notes are a little hazy. I'm very hungover today. My notes are a little hazy for the... So does it... Why does she go to the hospital? Because she has to get... So that's the funny part, is that she leaves her mom because when they... when um, Or doesn't she go into the hospital to get meds for her mom? Yeah, she's picking up a prescription. Yeah, that's why I thought she went to the pharmacy first. Because isn't that when she says to her mom, I'll be back in 10 minutes, but she stops by the magic box first? <laughs> <laughs> it's very possible. Yeah. 
<laughs> also, people don't go to the hospital to pick up prescriptions. I thought that was a fine little like economy of storytelling where they're just like, look, we don't have time for two things. Like, <laughs> I know. just get her to the hospital. We need her to see like, this crazy person. I was like, do they not have a Dwayne Reed? Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. That was the year Sunnydale outlawed Rite Aids for some reason. Like, okay. <laughs> So when Buffy is in the hospital, obviously she has that like encounter with the security guard and he's now um, brain sucked. But I love that like everyone is going about their business as usual and Buffy's trying to have like a cogent conversation with him. (laughs) All the other doctors are doing that, like making a circle around their ear with their finger thing about like this guy. And she's like, no, what did you say? What about my (laughs) Right. And I like if I were like, ma'am, I don't think he has anything useful to tell you. Yeah. (laughs) uh yeah i yeah i mean i i like that and i also like i always really like in the show when we have to see buffy do like covertly use her powers um and like when the guy like freaks out and she just kind of pushes him down and how it's weird that ben is the only one that reacts to that uh but he doesn't even react that big he's just sort of like wow (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> big muscles on you or whatever and i was just like all right that's like kind of cute but also like react bigger like that's weird yeah i would be... and he, and at least he calls himself sexist and like yeah. calls it out before he's yeah sexist. yeah he's like i don't mean to be sexist but you're really strong for a girl <laughs> i mean to be fair she i feel like i would be impressed if any of you did that i'd be like holy shit <laughs> i'd also i and i would be like well you're also secretly a girl sometimes ben but you don't know <laughs> um so then then the next scene is glory's entrance which i think is so good uh oh yeah the monk just like watching that door get punched and then it exploding and her being like i've been looking all over for you the stylization of glory from the beginning is so perfect where it's just like she is forever this just like girl who is on her way to some club. <laughs> and it's like, oh, before I do, I have to get answers out of this guy and suck this guy's brain juices <laughs> and then like try and find a key. <laughs> but like it's so wonderful, like for this like Southern California, like especially for like the age that she is and like yeah. that Buffy and, and all her friends are in college and it's just like, oh, she's just sort of dressed like this party girl who again, people underestimate and nobody thinks yeah. <laughs> like are worth a damn and then it says oh no i could just throw all of you through walls <laughs> i mean i she's just so good i yeah i love that like she's never dressed down she's always dressed up uh and like, at the same time it's so funny because when she first comes and is complaining about earth she says how she hates the clothes yeah <laughs> That's, like, one of her main complaints. And it's like, but girl, you look so good! (laughs) Yes, seriously. (laughs) Um, And I love... So, I... (laughs) Spoiler, we recorded Family before we recorded this one. And I said this in Family, but I think in, like, 2018, if, like, a villain like Lori could have been a gay man, almost, like, (laughs) she's almost written that way like she's like well the funny thing is she's written in a i mean she's written that even if she weren't like if this show came out today and she were a villain like everyone on twitter would be talking about her like that's all people would talk about is claire kramer (laughs) and there would just be memes about how she needs an emmy nomination or something (laughs) yeah for sure absolutely i sometimes think about that about like what buffy how buffy would be received today it would be so over the top and like kind of unbearable (laughs) 
<laughs> but like a lot of these actors would really get their due kind of immediately. You think so? Oh, yeah. You think they wouldn't be as underappreciated as they were? No, not at all. They would all be like social media sensations. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I mean, so many of them didn't get their due, but like even especially Claire Kramer, like she, I feel like every scene where they have her, she's always delivering a really good monologue in this season, yeah. like every episode. Yeah. Um, even if it's her, like, you know, her brain draining and she needs to suck someone's brain. So she's delivering this like nonsensical monologue. It always still works. Yeah. Um, you know what the other side of that is, Joe, that if this were on now, I think the cast would milkshake duck far faster. than Oh, no <laughs> P like absolutely for sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't think any of Buffy's love interests would work if Buffy was on today. Like, everyone would be like, oh, my God, hot but problematic, or, oh, my God, so boring, and they would all be out, like, really fast. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't that even why, like, even back then, why Riley was kind of written off? I feel like... Because the fans hated him. The fans yeah. hated him immediately, and, like, I mean, also, I don't think they... I think they just didn't know what to do with him. So I think right. it was like, well, fans don't like him, we also don't know what to do with him, so we're going to do this and have him leave. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and I do think... Probably in 2018, as you've said, Matthew, like, Buffy is, like, 16, 17, and dating Angel, and he is, like, thousands of years old, like... Yeah, that wouldn't have worked either. I mean, people were mad about uh, Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer, yeah. wait until they hear about <laughs> Buffy and Angel. <laughs> <laughs> I would have just wanted, like, the first-person account articles of just, like, this reminds me of when I dated a thousand-year-old vampire. And... Oh my God. Uh, thought catalog would have a deal <laughs> <laughs> I could rank I think, like, all the demons I've dated in order. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> I'm sorry, Sophie, I interrupted you. Oh, no, I was just gonna say that, like, Vampire Diaries is a mo- more recent, like, version of a teenage girl dating a thousand-year-old vampire, <laughs> but then they turned her into a vampire midway through the season, so that it midway through the show so that it's not a problem so that they're all like undead see i think i thought that that show they were all vampires like i didn't realize the main like the main girl was ever not a vampire huh yeah no at first she was like a girl and then they turned her so that it wouldn't be like a weird thing where she's a 16 year old human girl and her boyfriends are vampires because in the very so. beginning, people were, like, saying that, like, the CW just greenlit it because it was, like, a Twilight thingy of, like, yeah. human girl, vampire boyfriend. and But uh, Vampire Diaries went on to have very several critically acclaimed seasons. And was <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I never watched it, so my mom watched it, but I did not. Yeah. Uh... What else do I have to say? I feel so, like I have like 10 things to say about Laura. I don't know. <laughs> so um, next we have Buffy talking to her friends about the Dagon Sphere and that she thinks that... Oh, so after she speaks to the security guard, she thinks that the Dagon Sphere is what's doing right. something to her mother or something, that it's something supernatural. And Anya uh, suggests that she do a spell. Right. And I love that they remind us all that Buffy did it was terrible at French. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anya what is she not say? that good either. <laughs> Anya's accent, French accent, is really, really bad. Really? <laughs> yeah. I forget what it was. I think it's like something many foodstuffs. Something many foodstuffs, yeah. I couldn't can't think of what the first part was, but yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> rotate. I think it's rotate. Yes. That's rotate many foodstuffs. I think you're right. back the curtain. Yes. I, I like how, like, in that scene when Buffy shows the orb, everyone just takes a step back. Yes. When she says, like, the guy went crazy because of the orb. And it's just yeah. that just, just tiny, funny moment, and I laugh every time. Yeah, I, I love it. It's so like subtle too, because she's like, he went crazy, like overnight, and immediately they all step backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love the way this episode plays with these ideas of what we've come to expect from things in Buffy, because we've yes. been watching Buffy for so long. Where it's like they find this gl- glowing orb at the beginning, which like we have now been conditioned to like know that that's probably going to be important, and so. We keep making wrong assumptions in this episode, but I think it's not because, like, we're being led to make these wrong yes. assumptions. We're, we right. assume the Dagon yeah. Sphere is the key. We assume the Dagon Sphere is what's making Joyce sick. We assume that Glory is what's making Joyce sick. We assume that Dawn is what's making Joyce sick, and that Dawn is a demon because we because the show knows that we've been suspicious of Dawn ever since the end of episode one of the season. Yeah. So. Well, and I and I and I mean, and when we talked about episode two, like at the end, when Dawn is writing her diary and she's like, "Oh, if they only knew what I really am," and it's like this yeah. huge misdirection. And I actually I wrote in my notes, and we'll talk about it more when we get there. But I felt like the scene where fucking Dawn hands Joyce the, the tea, tea yes. and acts like she's out of the fucking Shining is so <laughs> overdone. I can't take it. <laughs> I love it though. I love that because that's so much because even at, at that point the show so has us on the hook that I'm just like, "Oh my god, just go for it." We're like she's literally just like, "Have some tea, mother." <laughs> it's so easy. But it's just and yeah. it's and they'll they'll straighten it out like in the next scene. We figure out basically like within the next two scenes. But like while they've got us on the hook, they're really gonna like ring us for every bit of tension. Not only does she have some tea, when when Joyce asks where Buffy is, she's like, you don't have to worry about Buffy anymore. And yes. it's like, what? Did you kill her? Did you, like, what are you doing? No pain where you're going, mother. Like, what? <laughs> Your headache will be an afterthought soon. <laughs> The same thing works when when Buffy's on the phone with Giles and Don just appears. And the music go cue, yeah. <laughs> and it it creeps me out. And I know it's nothing, but it really creeps me. It's like it's the very Sunnydale. overdone, but it's very effective. It's like an episode of like the Sunnydale Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so. Then we, so we don't, before she even does the spell, so we, you know, she talks about it, she talks about the Dagon Sphere, then we get Glory doing more of her monologuing, and it's fantastic, and I, I love that she's like, now tell me if this gets, she says like, gets too personal, because I'm told I have boundary issues, and she's like, basically (laughs) in the guy's face telling him she has boundary issues, uh, and I love it, and I wanted to talk to you, Joe, about... I can't remember if this was something I read online at the time or if this was just like how I remember being positive Glory was a vampire slayer. Like that was what I was like, oh, she's got to be another slayer, like an old slayer that became a demon or something or became a mortal. And I remember being like positive. That's what Glory was. I don't remember hearing about that, but that seems somewhat logical. Although... What did we know about Faith at this point, after Angel? Was she on the run? 
Uh, I'm trying to remember where we had last seen Faith. Yes, in... so the last place we saw Faith, she was in jail. Because right. the season two premiere of Angel has a really good guest surprise. Yes, that's where, right. Yeah, goes to see her in jail. Yeah, and like... Yeah. It's a really good surprise, and it's, like, really cute, and it's literally, she has, like, four lines, and they talk in jail, and it's really cute. Angel and Faith as friends were great, you Really, guys. really were, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think I had heard about Glory being a vampire slayer. I just knew that, like, there were, like, the rumors were flying as to, like, what she was. Like, what could she possibly be to sort of explain what was going on? But I think I was listening to more of the rumors about what Dawn was, that I don't, maybe was not paying attention to the Glory stuff. Did where's was there any talk about whether the whole key thing like once the key thing happened in this episode, were there any people who are like no that's misdirection or were there, was everyone kind of on board that Dawn is now a key? I think they were on board that Dawn was now a key. I don't know. I think a lot of the speculation was like, does that mean Dawn will be gone by the end of the season? I do remember that even happening because even I like I when I was watching it, I was very young, but I remember watching with friends and people asking about, like, once Dawn does what she's supposed to do, unlock or whatever, like, do you think she'll leave? Well, because Buffy had gotten really good about keeping their seasons sort of self-contained, and that, like, things that were introduced in the beginning of the season were sort of, you know, dispatched, for lack of a better word, by the end. And so it wouldn't have been crazy to think of, like, this totally insane idea that, like, we're going to give Buffy a surprise sister would reach its conclusion by the end and you would have maybe an emotional moment and and Don would fulfill her purpose and, and maybe go. And like and while like that was again misdirection, that was keeping us all occupied because we could you know, we never expected what was going to happen happened. Like, God. So I just have a note here that I'm just gonna say <laughs> That this monk definitely has big dick energy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh my god. I was yeah. thinking as I was watching it, Matthew, I was like, he looks really beat up, but he's got really nice lips. <laughs> he was kind of, I mean, like... I was not like, unintrigued. Sophia, right, I, I apologize. <laughs> no, no. Kind of no need to apologize. <laughs> I was just considering, and I think the haircut ruins it for me. Yeah, but, I see that. Right, I can see but that. I don't even think that I was saying that he was attractive. I just feel like he has big dick energy. Like, he is, he's not, like, nervous and stuff in the face of glory. Like, he has that, like, calm, cool, collective, like, Pete Davidson energy that has become BDE. And I was watching it, and I was like, oh, he seems very secure and good. And I think he has big dick energy. <laughs> see, we're getting really close to the idea of some, like missionary somewhere being like you know how who has the real bde and it's god and it's like no i need to like like your faith is your bde it's just like shut up no god. that's very like youth group in church like yeah. you know who has real bde it's jesus yeah, right. oh yeah yeah exactly well, that's very youth group very good point. it would be like yeah. the sign outside of a church getting people to come in on sunday and say come get your sunday morning bde from the lord <laughs> God. Um, so moving on, I have in my notes, give me a super cut of Glory saying key every time this season. Oh, <laughs> or like th uh, this episode, but every time somebody says key, it keeps getting faster and faster. <laughs> yes. Um, so I do, I remember, like, I remember <laughs> this reveal being such a big deal. Like, I remember when she punches Buffy across the room being like... <gasps> Yeah. Oh I shit. Was like, Shook. Yeah. 
And it's funny because they do that every season. They introduce a villain and then you're just like, you see how powerful they are. And you're like, oh, no. But yeah. like there was something about this one because they never they just let it go on for like episodes and episodes. Yeah. And Buffy didn't have a solution. Buffy didn't have a solution for Glory until the final episode of the season, well, well, even just to like for how to hit her or knock her down. That's exactly correct. And you totally hit on it because I had a note about that, too. Like with Adam... Adam's first, like, where he beats Buffy up, like, it's halfway through the season, and we kind of expect it because Adam is so physically imposing and looks like a monster that is strong. Glory obviously just looks like a frail white woman, so it, like, doesn't register for us, like, how strong she is. You're right that it takes so long to get to the um, conclusion of the whole thing, because when Buffy gets beat up by an uber, an uber vamp, Showtime is the next episode... And she defeats him in Showtime. And then the arc from, like, when Caleb first beats her up to when they deal with Caleb is also only, like, three episodes, I think. Right, right. Or it might be five. But, um, yeah, like, Buffy just consistently gets her ass beat by Glory for 17 episodes. Yeah. And the only and, like, even when, like, Willow figures up. out a way to, like, magic her, like, across the room or whatever, like, that is, like, one little bitty thing. But, like... The f- it's it's crazy that in the finale they find all these things of like oh right the hammer and the dagon sphere and the whatever it's just like there are all sorts of things we could knock glory down with it was um isn't it in the next episode or at the end where she gets up from all the rubble like after the building falls on her yes. in this one and it always reminds me of Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns, where she yes, where oh the guards her and then she screams. <laughs> yeah, they have a very they have a very similar vibe, like yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman and Claire Kramer in this. Yeah, yes, that's a good point. Yeah, I think I would, I, I think I totally agree with that. Uh, yeah, she uh, just I just love Glory. Um, <laughs> I also wanted to point out, I think Buffy's outfit is real good in this. Uh, I love her khaki pants with her white shirt and the little devil, gold devil painted on it. I like Buffy's fashion vibe throughout most of this episode. Yeah. You guys weren't wrong about the coat, but like I think for the rest of it, I was yeah. like, Buffy looks fantastic. She does, and her hoops and, and her hair. Ugh. The love the hoop earrings. Ugh. Love them. Love a hoop. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I actually wore gold hoops today just because I watched the episode yesterday, and I was like, Buffy pulls it off so well. I do not, does. but I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're really not practical for a Slayer to wear, but no. I still love them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, a vamp? I'm surprised no vamp just ever pulled on them while they were fighting. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I mean, a lot of things that they wear aren't so practical for fighting monsters, but whatever. You mean you shouldn't fight monsters in leather pants? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, behind the scenes, though, I actually painted that fucking devil on a Buffy figure for the shirt for... This podcast cover art. That's how much I like that outfit. Silence. I know, a nerd. That's impressive. No, 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 no. I'm actually impressed. I've already told you. I'm always impressed with your dedication to the, like, action figures. Thank you, Sophia. You're my new favorite. (laughs) Here's a question that I had, speaking of just uh, about what's going on in the scene. Because she has the guy, the construction worker, I would assume, right? Uh, yes. The guy whose brain she, yeah, she yeah. sucks at the end of the scene. And halfway through the scene, I would realize, like, oh, right. Like, Ben probably, like, procured that guy, right? Like, somehow, like... Maybe? Because because it seemed like that was the first that she was seeing of that guy, or that he was seeing of her. 
something in that scene made me think of like, oh, right, like Glory and Ben are still sort of swapping out bodies, even though we don't know it. And even though like the characters don't know it. Oh, yeah. No, there's there. So it's like their memories. You're right. Like their memories don't cross over from body to body. Right. But we don't know that yet. Because like at this point, Ben doesn't know that Glory is doing stuff, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they don't I'm even sure. know by the time we found out, we find out they still don't know it because they're kind of like, well, the whole gang is like, Glory, Ben was here and then Glory was here and we don't know oh, yeah. what happened. I just can't remember from the rest of the season how much Ben knows. Because he talks to the monks sometimes. Like we see him with the monks. Right, right. That's a good point. With well, her minions. Min- yeah. The minions, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah, the minions, it's true, sorry. Wait, I'm confused. Wait, I think, did I just get lost in my notes? Because Buffy... Yeah, we're still talking about the Buffy-Glory fight. Okay, okay. Um. Oh, because we didn't talk... Okay, so wait. We have to go back. Um, we need to talk about Spike's scene in this episode, which happens before the Buffy Glory fight. Yes. Um, oh, where he's fully stalking her? Yeah. yeah and, and he okay. delivers one of his most iconic lines. Yes. Out for a walk. Bitch. Yeah. I love it. And we learn, yeah, and then we... It's a weird scene, though, because it's so lost in the episode. Like, there's no other Spike scenes in the episode, right? It's just that. Right. Like, he shows up, out for a walk, and that's it. Yeah. Like, the last time she saw Spike was them fighting, wasn't it? Wasn't that a fake fight because he was dreaming it? Yeah. No, 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 but I mean, the last time she saw him was when they had the fight when he was trying to get his chip removed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's like... Yeah. She, I mean, but she's always like that with Spike. She's very inconsistent with how she treats him. Because uh, it feels like she has every right to just kill him at that point. Because the last time they encountered, he tried to kill her and Riley. Uh... But we know, as the audience, we know that he's, like, obsessed slash in love, but we Buffy doesn't know that. But so, that's yeah. the thing, right? So that's what we need to talk about, is how this thing is, like, also conflating love and obsession, which is, like, a thing that we've talked about with Twilight and all this stuff. And, like, every time, I mean, Ian knows, every time we bring up the Buffy-Riley-Spike thing, I'm always like, well, Spike sexually assaulted Buffy. And then at the same time, now I forget it until I watch this episode. Like, oh, he was stalking her. Like, yeah. it's not cute. Like, it's not, just not good. Okay, wait. So here's my defense of this. Oh, wow. I'm going to give you my defense. So wait. So the way I the way I think of this is, so in X-Men, I know I'm getting off subject, but I promise I'm going to circle back. <laughs> in X-Men, Brian Michael Bendis had Jean Grey read Iceman's mind. And she said, why do you, like, he was, like, saying something sexist to Magic, and he says something, like, vaguely sexist about how hot she is or something, and Jean Grey takes him aside and is like, why are you doing that? And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you're gay. Why are you talking about her like that? And fans were really mad for, on both sides, there were fans that were mad because they felt like Iceman couldn't have been in the closet for that long, and then also people felt like, oh, Jean Grey outed him she doesn't know he could be bi. My thing with that is, if we're believing the universe, the show, the thing that we're in has built for us, in that universe, Jean Grey has to be able to correctly read his mind. So I felt like I had to believe that if Jean Grey read his mind and saw that he was gay, that just like the rules of being a mutant and being Jean Grey, a super powerful telepath, that she would be able to properly read his mind. So I think of that with this show as well with Spike. We're in the, like, rules of the show. Spike doesn't have a soul. 
So the things he do he does when he doesn't have a soul are because he doesn't have a soul. Like I'm a grumpy atheist, but like I know the rules of the show play up the soul bit real like you know what I mean? That's like such a big deal. So I think it makes sense that Spike minus a soul would still be the like lovesick puppy he was when he was a bad poet, but because he's a demon and doesn't have a soul, then it turns into conflating love and obsession and it just be in his brain it becomes the same thing but in the rules of the show he's still quote unquote evil because he doesn't have a soul okay here's the problem though and here's okay where i'm here's where the show creates its own problem and i'm fully going back into like arguments i've made 15 (laughs) years ago so like fucking jesus christ it all comes back again um the show wrote the nature of being a vampire versus not being a vampire differently for Angel than it did for Spike. Yes. Where when when Angel had a soul, he was Angel. The Angel we got to know first, the Angel who dated Buffy, the good Angel. When Angel loses his soul, it is played as if he is two separate personalities. It's played like a multiple personality disorder storyline. Oh, yeah. Where, and with Spike... It's not that at all. It's fully shades of gray. So that Spike without a soul is what it's more to when he like gets his soul back towards the end. And it's just like it's it's more of a gradual thing. And there's you know, the personality doesn't change. He sort of like bleeds into himself and he was able to evolve as a vampire to have like feelings and, you know, go against his nature a little bit or like have make decisions that would go against the sort of like primal urges of a vampire. Right. So like they wrote those two characters so differently. And so now we have to deal with spike being again, like I like what you said about like within the universe of the show and within the rules of the show, because that's a real thing. This is why I always said like within the rules of the show, Spike trying to rape Buffy was so much worse than Spike trying to kill Buffy. Like, that was... Because, like, vampires are always trying to kill Buffy. And, like, within the universe of the show, like, what happened with Spike in that bathroom was, like, the exception. So, I don't know. It's, it's, It's hard watching this turn with Spike now, again, from the perspective of hindsight, knowing where it all goes. I think during season five, I was much more on board with it. And now when I watch it, I'm just like, oh, I have no patience for this. No patience whatsoever. <laughs> where I literally watched the previous season. And in the previous season, they showed the dream he had where he has his first sex dream about Buffy. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, well, that was the end of Spike. Like, that was the last time I could like Spike. <gasps> and yeah. yeah, that's just me. Well, my thing, what I was saying, isn't even about the character so much. Because the other thing is, is that, like, I mean... The demon, inner, the demon uh, argument is like the obvious argument there. That like that's what I've heard most people say. But also like the show has also flip flopped on like whether you know it's a demon you or a more concentrated version of you, all or like both. Because like right. with the Willow thing, they were like, oh, it's like it's still you, and like you don't have the inhibitions that you do as a person or whatever. Like it, and they they were saying that like you know she probably is a lesbian because the demon does have I don't know. Or Anya. Anya's much more. Where, like, Anya literally just, like, unlearned her demon nature just by necessity. Right. And then learn learn to love money. Well, okay. Um, So, wait. So, I do think... I do think you you guys are right about Angel. 
But I do think almost every other demon on the show was more in the vein of spiked for the rules. The way the show showed you a demon, where it's like, they're evil, but there's shades of that person. You're right that Angel was not that way. Um, But even Darla and Drusilla, you know, in Angel, we get a bunch of flashbacks. Darla kind of was herself. Like, Darla the person wasn't a good person, and they, like, show you that. Um, You know, she was, like, dying. I think she was dying of syphilis when the master turned her, and she was, like, mean and didn't care. Uh, And then the master turns her so she doesn't die, and then she's still mean and doesn't care. Um, So I do think... The show doesn't quite, but I think that at least for Spike, those are the rules. And for me, that's why I can, that's the only reason why I'm like a little bit more forgiving with Spike because of that. The larger point that I was thinking wasn't about Spike. It was just about like us creating content that tells young girls that love and obsession are the same thing. (laughs) Sophia, what were you saying? No, no. I'm just saying that I tend to agree with Ian about the rules and also Angel the angel we meet is very different from when he loses his soul. Yeah. But we, when we have flashbacks to Angel when he was human, he was a jerk. He yeah. was really, really bad. He was much closer to Vampire Angel, like no soul angel, yes. than to the angel we know. So I think the rules still apply to him in a similar way. It's just that he got his soul way back before the show. So it's like, it's a very unique perspective we get yeah. it's different from spike re-insult at the end of a show yeah yeah and he he was like i i am pretty sure there's a flashback and i'm not sure if it's on buffy or an angel where like pre-vampire angel is pretty much sexually assaulting someone yes i think it is on angel you're right yeah um because I, so, I you're right there is like a few flashbacks that first season there's a lot of flashbacks and there's, like, a flashback to him being drunk and, like, yelling at his family. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, sexually harassing slash trying to sexually assault, like, a maid yeah, or something. Yeah, I'm I think it's, sure. like, a maid or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, I thought that was a, it was an interesting, I was thinking about that, actually. I was like, I wonder, like, when we'll talk about that. And here we are in an episode that has, you know, a two-minute spike scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so... <laughs> I think this episode's like not to not to Matthew myself, but I think this episode's pretty iconic. Um, even this like silly two minute scene is like pretty. You know, I feel like people know that Spike quote, right? A big yeah. Spike quote. Um, and it's yeah. crazy that it's like an episode that he that's his only that's all he does. He delivers that good line, and then that's it. <laughs> Back to where were we? <laughs> they were fighting. Um, uh, I, I think we got it a little lost because I think they fight, and that whole scene is after Buffy does the spell, yes. right? It is. And it we is. Right. didn't really talk about We didn't really talk about the spell. About the spell. We didn't talk about the spell at all. Sophia, lead us into the spell. Yeah, okay. So, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to find myself in my notes <laughs> because I get lost. Um, so, first, like, she's with Riley yeah. to do the spell because Riley's manliness is hurt because she won't let him go slaying or something. <laughs> and I try not to be too anti-Riley because I know I probably hate him more than I should. <laughs> He's okay half of the time. But I re- it, it really bothers me how how insecure he is with that. Like, Buffy's trying to include him with Spell. She's like, oh, so you pour the sand and you do that. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's so much, that that's so manly, that's so strong. 
stop trying to protect me and it bothers me so much. Well, oh it's God. funny because I read it the other way. Where, I like, did too, he, I think. He, yeah. he sees yeah? that Buffy is trying to appeal, like, appeal to his sense of like manliness because Buffy's like including him so that his ego isn't hurt and he's actually really mature about it because he says like I know that all my power was borrowed and that like one day I would lose it and he has actually like the way that I felt like the way that he was written they the writers were giving him a really like bird's eye view of his situation and that he was able to articulate it really well cuz he knew that Buffy was just trying to include him for inclusion's sake and that he didn't have to be there and he was like you don't have to massage my ego like I'm fine And then, but it's funny because I do think that we see that there are differences between actions and words because he does say that he's fine, but we know that in the next episode, he's going to start being bitten um, by the Well, you even see it on his face in the magic box too, when like Dawn does her little like loose lips thing where she's just like throwing everybody's secrets out there. This also, I am generally a Dawn apologist too, but... They wrote her at her most like annoying little childness in this episode. We're like, she's just like, what? Buffy said this thing about like Riley being like wheat and kick, wheat and kin kittenish, and that's how she likes him. What did I say? And it's just like, Dawn. It's like, right? Like you're. Well, we said this a couple of times, and I think that we were talking about how like Michelle Trachtenberg when she got the part was maybe like two years older than they wanted to write her. So they had to make her 14 instead of 12 because she sometimes acts like she's 12. Yes. This episode was a big was a big one for that. I because she's, she is 14 and I don't think a 14-year-old would like actively spill family secrets like that. Or, like she would know the social... I mean, if she did that at school, you know, she would know what the ramifications of doing that are. Like she knows what a secret is among her friends. So I feel like she wouldn't do that. That that is one of the only times where I am like, don't please shut up, like stop. And I yeah, it was in the. But I, I agree, but I also think that it it's very. She was very like distracted and just babbling, yeah. and I, I relate. <laughs> we are all done. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, well, that came from talking about Riley. So that was just what I, I felt like it was the opposite, that Riley actually handled it very maturely. Yeah, it was the rare, like, moment with Riley where I was just like, good for you. Like, you had a, like, you manned up there for a moment, finally, and just sort of like, I don't know, I thought he recognized, he read that scene pretty well. He read that situation pretty well. And even though we can see in other scenes where, like, we see on his face that like it bothers him and like maybe it's annoying that it does bother him but like i think in this episode he's doing a pretty good job of like not making his his insecurity is buffy's problem yeah I, I i don't think i can like watch it without considering him in the next episode or the couple yeah. next episodes so it feels really <coughs> annoying I, so i actually fall in the middle of all of y'all um i think that and i've said this before i do think riley is trying i always want to give him credit because i think while buffy's superpowers intimidate him i think he wants to not be like i think he wants to try to get better um and he wants to try to be like hey this is this is what it is you are who you are i am who i am i think he wants to get there but he just never quite quite gets there where he's comfortable enough and i think this episode is him trying but i think sophie is right i don't quite think he means the things he's saying uh, but I do think he's trying to mean them, like, if that makes any sense. Um, so I'm like, all right. I, so I do think season five Riley is immediately more interesting 
than he was in season four. Um, but, you know, then we only get, like, five episodes of him, and he's not even in them that much. Ten. Ten. <laughs> but, so, the spell. I actually really like... I think it's one of the cooler things they've done, the way the spell looks. Uh, what do they, like, put up the saturation or lower the saturation? Yeah. Um, I think it looks pretty cool, and when Buffy's talking to her mom, it does almost feel like Buffy's just high. Yeah. She's just, like, staring at her mother, and she's like, is everything okay? And Buffy's like, huh? <laughs> And when she's doing the spell, Dawn is like, it's going to reek in your clothes. And yeah. she puts a towel under the door. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. The towel much. for sure, yeah. Oh, also, yeah. also I love that line when Dawn knocks on the door and she's like, what are you doing? And she's like, my boyfriend, go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I So that's the really interesting thing, and I'm glad that Sophia went back to it, is because there is a really interesting emotional arc this episode. And when you see for the first time, Buffy like pushed on up against the door yeah. and like get physical with her, you like don't know what's going to happen. And then the, it's either a tonal asset or a tonal issue, depending on who you are. But it's like <laughs> in that scene, you know, it goes from like, everything's high. The saturation's weird. And then it's like, Oh, maybe Dawn is about to ax murder Buffy. Yeah, like right here. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's it's a love or hate decision. I see. Um, I I actually, Sophie. I don't know if you'll agree with me. I felt really like I I guess because like watching it now, of course we know exactly where this is going. I actually was like, oh Dawn, like imagine having your super powered sister like throw you against a wall, like Jesus. I That's where we end up by the end of the episode. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, but right, like, imagine that happening in real time. Like, your sister, who could technically rip your arm off, is, like, pushing you against a wall. And I'm sure it would really hurt, uh, especially being, like, you know, Dawn's, like, this tiny 14-year-old. Well, it's an interesting place to be, too, right? Because, I mean, Buffy, I'm sure, feels justified in doing it because she doesn't know if this thing is hurting her mom. Right. Right. Oh, totally, yeah. So it's both sides, but she also can't say that to Dawn because she can't tell Dawn that she's the key. Yeah. So she's in this place where she has to apologize, but she also really can't explain what she did. Right. It's really, it's a really interesting way they write it. Like they kind of go to this territory of at the end of the day, like you and I are sisters and we can't just like fight. A, we just can't fight like this, but Dawn doesn't really press Buffy to be like, why did you do some spell and then assault me? Yeah. <laughs> And throw me against a wall, you asshole. <laughs> yeah, like, and Buffy could have easily been like, oh, I was under the influence of a spell, and I yeah. was seeing shit. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Um. and I do, you know, I mean, Sophia, you mentioned they do, like, the silly, like, when Dawn is behind her, they do a good job, though. Like, it's funny to think of Dawn even being perceived as a villain, especially because we know her, but they do a good job of, like, when Dawn's standing behind her when she's talking to Giles and... Is Giles, he's calling to tell her that he knows where the Dagon Sphere is, right? Isn't that why he's calling? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, but like, he doesn't really that. know, no. I think he's, like, telling her that he knows that it's, like, he says, like, it belongs to something that's either, like, a, an object of great worship or great fear. But he, like, gives it a name, right? Doesn't he say Dagon oh, Sphere? Oh, the Dagon Sphere, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't think he knows that it's, like, belongs to glory right. or anything. Uh I, yeah, and then, you know, Dawn's standing there all ominous behind her. And it's so funny, because, like, the Dawn we know is just, like, I mean, I love her, but she's very whiny, and just, like, she couldn't really, like, do any damage to her Slayer sister, 
What I like about those scenes, though, is that, like, they don't change Dawn's character. They only change our perceptions of her. Yeah. Where, like, they don't have her do anything that, like, oh, Dawn wouldn't do that. They have her maybe do something and then we don't see enough of it so that we start reading in reading into it. But, like, just offering Joy's tea isn't like, Dawn wouldn't do that. Like, Dawn would do that. We would just see it very differently. And right. the show is sort of, like, putting us in Buffy's perspective. And, like, oh, now everything Dawn does seems suspicious because we think and Buffy thinks that she's a demon of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, and I think... Dawn is very in character, and it's very believable that she, Dawn just thinks she's fighting with her sister about, like, your mom or something. Right. It's just, like, in a sibling fight. And Buffy's really like, oh, my God. And, and maybe a demon's in my house and <laughs> trying to kill my mom. And both sides feel very believable. Uh, even I don't know. It's it's very well written, I guess. This no. episode also makes me think of the body and the fact that like Buffy desperately wants what's wrong with her mom to be supernatural so that she can fix it. I know. Oh my and god! Like she, I was gonna she, bring this up because so the first time that I ever even heard someone mention that uh, Joyce's death was not supernatural was when I was watching the DVD commentary and Joss Whedon said, like, no one on Buffy had ever died of natural causes. And, like, we had, did an episode about that because the show has death all over it. But this one is obviously super affecting. I still, I don't know why, and I guess this episode is there to disprove it because Buffy can't see any mystical energy around Joyce. But I guess I was always of the belief that, like, Dawn's just mere presence and like the monks messing with Joyce's memories is what ultimately led to her getting like a brain problem and dying. Oh wow, that's fascinating. That's what I always when I first watched it and when I rewatched it before I watched it with features like that's always what I thought. Uh-huh. And so I and I still never I still don't go over to the like it's completely natural. I still I guess because I just don't want to let go of You're my, a truther. Oh my god. My, yeah, my decade long belief or whatever, however long it's been, like my belief that like I think it was just the presence of Dawn altering her memories and everything that like led to uh her death. Wow. Matthew wants to see a death certificate, Joss. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Cause of death, Dawn. Matthew wants an autopsy performed immediately. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> an autopsy there's performed a, immediately on a 20-year-old dead body. There's also a specific yeah. scene. There's a specific scene in this episode that sort of mirrors the scene in the body when Buffy finds her mom. Yes. Right? Because she yeah. comes home and it's like, mom, mom, and she's on the couch. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. Um, and I just, you know, I, knowing what we, I mean, at the time when you're watching it, I remember, like, I don't, I, I remember the glory reveal. I don't remember the, I don't think I even quite understood what was going on with Dawn. Um, but I don't remember thinking I thought she was a villain. Like, I think I just accepted that it was her sister when I watched this season. Um, and I think because it was like, you know, you could have missed episodes. I remember, I think I at first thought, Oh, did I just not... Did I miss episodes with Michelle Trachtenberg before? Was she, like, mentioned before? Uh, and I just accepted it, but I, I... The glory thing was a bigger, like, deal for me, and I remember just being like, oh, she has to be another Slayer, this is gonna be so cool. Uh, but I don't remember how I, like, processed the Dawn reveal. Uh, I don't know, but I just... I, like, watching it, I feel bad for Dawn. I genuinely... 
I mean, almost every episode of this season, I'm like, oh, no, Joyce. Like, you know, when she's in the beginning talking about going to the doctor, I'm just like, oh, God, I know where this goes. Like, this doesn't go anywhere good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, good TV and good writing, but not, like, good for the characters. I think back to watching season five, and I I imagine how naively gullible I was to believe that, like, Joyce got better. Because it's like, that's not how TV works. (laughs) Somebody doesn't just get, like, a brain problem and then, like, they get better and there's without, like, you know, high drama. Like, at least if that was were to happen, there would have have been some sort of, like, crucible they would have had to have gone through to get to that point. Like, that's, it's, you know, that's not how it works on TV. Like, characters just, like, don't get better non-dramatically. So, like, I remember being surprised then by the body and then later being like, you dummy. Like... You had to know. You had to know it wasn't going to end well. <laughs> then there's the final scene with Buffy and the big dick monk. <laughs> oh my god. Now I'm just going to think of him that way every time <laughs> in a previously. And they show him in every previously. Every, yeah, like everyone. <laughs> I'm happy. I hope everyone who watches Buffy always thinks of the big dick monk every time they see it previously <laughs> of him talking oh about the key. <laughs> okay, her human. Yeah, every episode. <laughs> uh, that, so I also cry at that scene. Like, that scene... It's a good scene. I, uh, Sam Rochelle Geller is doing such a good acting, and... I, I mean, on, on, a, on, on a serious note, though, like, the, the guy who plays the monk, like, he had one episode, and he... He nailed it. He nailed it. He was yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Uh, but man, when he's just saying, like, she doesn't know what she is. She's just a little girl. And, and he Buffy's... says she's an innocent, which yeah. is the best part. Because so much of Buffy's, like, lore is about, like, protecting the innocence and yeah. stuff. Yeah. But I do think about, and, like, I don't want to harp on this too long. Because we're, we're taking a long time in this episode because there's so much here. But, like, the... Wait, Matthew, you know, can I interrupt you very quickly before you get into that? Yeah, but before we leave the subject of the monk, the actor who played the monk plays the manager of the motel that the lady wrestlers are living at in Glow. <gasps> oh, yes. Oh my God! I'm not gonna pronounce attempt to pronounce his last name because it's Russian. It's Reveal Asyanov, let's say right. Asyanov. <laughs> anyway, fun tidbit for you and me. I just started season two, and I don't think I oh, realized it so all. Good. <laughs> so good. Season two of Glow is so good. Um, but anyway, um, anyway, sorry, Matthew, I interrupted you. <laughs> so it is interesting, right, that, like, obviously Buffy is so burdened in life as a vampire slayer, but she really does seem, like, when she says, I didn't sign up for this, for her to yeah. say, like, I just signed up to, you know, slay vampires. I did not sign up for, like, random monks to, like, change my entire life because of that title. Yeah. I thought it was, it's such a heavy moment. Like, we, there are so many moments in the show, like, having to kill Angel that, like, are about the weight of Slayerdom. And it, tucked in this episode is this moment where it's like, oh, these random monks who didn't know me altered my entire life because of this calling. And yeah. it, you actually feel really bad for Buffy, too. Yeah. And... And Sarah is so good in the scene. Like, her face just changes at every single second with right. everything the monk says. <laughs> like, I, from angry to sad to devastated to I have no idea how to deal with this. And it's crazy, like, it's crazy to think that she has those range, she's giving us those range of emotions in, like, a short scene. And also, like, 
I, imagine explaining that to like someone who hasn't watched the show. Like, oh, the acting in this scene where the main character finds out her sister was actually just a ball of energy and isn't real <laughs> is really good. <laughs> like, yeah. out of context, it sounds absurd, but like, Jesus, you're right, Sophia. Like that at the, it's like she's mad and then she's crying. And I mean, Sarah always does. I think like Sarah Michelle Gellar does that really well. The like, I'm angry, but I'm about to have a nervous breakdown acting. Yeah. Like, she does that really well. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, it just makes me feel bad for Dawn. You're right, Matthew. I keep, like, saying she's an innocent. I'm just like, oh, this poor 14-year-old. Like, being a teenager <laughs> can suck. I'm like, I'm sure it sucks way more if you find out you've only been alive for two months and you're not real. Like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's why that's why I'm such a Dawn apologist, because I know she's really whiny, but just imagine, like, being 14 was so hard already, and I'm just, like, a human person. And if I, if I find out, like, oh, no, I'm just secretly a ball of energy because my sister is a slayer, and then my mom dies, and then I have to, my sister dies, and then that's my life now. Like, I would be so much worse. Right? Gone. Yeah, me too. So much worse. I was already a bratty teen, and I didn't have to deal with any of that shit. Like... <laughs> um, exactly. But so then we get the final scene, Matthew, which is her going to see Dawn, and this scene also makes me tear up. Uh, I like. I I love when. Why do you watch the show if it does this to you? I watch I, it and just it does nothing. I'm like I've seen it. <laughs> why would I watch something that does nothing, Matthew? I'm with you because it's good. I, I only watch stuff to make. That's me how cry. I am too, though. Like... When I watch when I watch comedies, I like barely laugh, but I'll be like, oh, this is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's like a personality trait that they would give someone like. Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada. That's very funny, I'm but like not laughing. <laughs> uh, I, I, I literally write a monthly column that's about all the times I cry every month, so I <laughs> basically watch TV shows because I want to cry because I love crying. So I, Buffy, like, so crying yeah, every time. I'm the same way. Like, I feel like if the show isn't going to also make me, make me laugh but also make me cry, then I'm probably not that invested in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I love, so this is, I think, the first time we get Buffy petting Dawn's hair. It's, like, one of the first more tender moments of the two of them together. And, you know, that's going to be, like, a thing she does with Dawn, which I think is a cute sister thing. Um, and it just breaks my heart when she asks what's wrong with their mom, and Buffy says, I don't know. And then, like, that's the end. That's the end of the goddamn episode. Like, and you, us as viewers, were like, fuck Joyce is going to die very soon. This is going to be sad. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that seems all, like when Buffy starts complaining that Don like never takes an apology. Yeah. Ever since you were a kid or something. And, and she just stops because she knows it's fake. Like yeah. her memories. And, and, oh my God. I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> I think when we have an episode for the body, it's just going to be me crying for 40 minutes and Matthew crying. <laughs> You're not going to be on the body episode. <laughs> I'm going to record it in secret. You're going to be like, you can safely assume Ian's somewhere crying. <laughs> Ian is somewhere crying. We're going to talk about the lighting decision. <laughs> um, all right. So are we, are we at the end, Matthew? Yes. Okay. Favorite outfit, Sophia. Uh, just Laurie's outfit. I wanted to pick one of Buffy's because I really like how Buffy dresses in this episode, minus the first coat. 
But Glory just looks so amazing in that red dress. Yeah. And yeah. Like, it's, it's perfect. I feel like it's, yeah, it's very iconic. Uh, Joe? I mean, shout out to Giles' ridiculous grand opening outfit. He really made an effort. <laughs> He's a costume queen at heart. I know it. <laughs> Matthew? It's between Giles and Glory, but I'm going to go Glory. All right. Mine is a tie between Glory's red dress and Buffy's outfit with the little devil on it. Um, just because she looks so good and her hair looks so good. I even like the outfit she wears before that, between the coat and that one, where it's like a gold, maybe lame top, and she has like a nice necklace and her hair looks great. Ugh, love it. Um, all right. And favorite scene, Joe? I mean, hmm, there's so many good ones in this, but I think it's it's Buffy and the Monk at the fence. All right. Uh, Sophia? I'm going to go with the last one, just like Buffy with Dawn talking, because it really breaks my heart, and I like having my heart broken. <laughs> uh, Matthew? I'm going to go with um, the whole spell montage. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, for me, it's a tie between uh, Glory's reveal and, like, punching Buffy and then, like, the ensuing fight and the scene with her and uh, the monk towards the end. Uh, okay, grade. Matthew, what do you grade this episode? This is, uh, discussing it made me like it more, so I'm going to give it an A-. minus. Okay. Uh Joe? I, I agree with that. I think discussing it made me not like it more. It's not that I never didn't like it, but made me sort of elevate its importance. Okay. Um, I think in, it's still very much a beginnings episode. It's, you know, yeah. the first bit of glory, even like the first bit of like the magic shop, the first bit of Anya as like capitalist comic relief, like that kind of thing. Um, I give it a B plus just because there's like, there's so much more to go. That if I start in the A range, that like I, there's two, the ceiling's too close at that point. So B plus. Okay. Sophia? I'm going for a B plus as well. Okay. I, I love the episode, but I think there's some tonal shifts, like very sudden tonal shifts be- between like scenes in the magic box and dramatic scenes. And it throws me off a little bit. And I think it downgrades the episode a little. All right. Um, I give it. And, uh, straight A is what I give it, um, because I think it achieves all the things, and it also packs, it does, it does what I love in a Buffy episode, where it has a good fight, it has some serious plot going on, and it makes me laugh, and it also makes me cry, so, like, for me, those are, like, all those things make it a really good Buffy episode, um, I think that this season, after, I love Buffy vs. Dracula, I think the season, like, a lot of them have this, but this one, it's only a few episodes. I think the episodes prior to this were, like, a little bit of a slump, almost. Uh, because they weren't, they were just kind of spinning in place, almost. Because they needed, It's a long ramp way, yeah. Yeah, they, so. like, needed to get everyone prepared for Glory to be there, the Magic Box to be their headquarters, and shit to go to shit. Uh, so, yeah, I give it an A. Um, thank you both for being on. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to follow our podcast on Twitter, we are at SlayerFestX98. If you want to follow Matthew on Twitter, he is at Matthew Rodriguez, one T, a G, and a Z. 
If you want to follow Ian, you can follow him at Ian X Carlos. And where can they find you, Sophia? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sophia Sote, which is S-O-F-I-A-S-O-T-E-R. And that's it. And Joe, where can they find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Joe Reed. Reed is spelled R-E-I-D. Yay. Okay. And yeah. if you guys like us, don't forget to subscribe to us and give us a good rating. Only if you like us. Um, and we are on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, um, and a couple other places. And yeah, thank you. And we'll see you next week. Bye.